0: This is episode 18 of season 2 of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host Jess Robinson. And I just want to um, talk about several things from the daily reading. Uh, we had kind of a huge thing happen in the book of Numbers, and so there's several you know, things to talk about there, and we'll get started with that you know, first thing I want to talk about is, you know, jealousy and complaining about others. And then also how, how do we react to those who are jealous of us, who do, you know, treat us wrong, who, you know, what's the Christ-like attitude or, you know, an attitude that we see in the Bible. And we'll see it in this chapter with Moses. But when we get into chapter 12 of the, this, of of the book of Numbers, you know, we see there's jealousy, you know, Miriam and Aaron are jealous. And it's, you know, they say because of this Cushite wife of Moses, but in actuality, you know, it was because of the authority that Moses had. And the Lord you know, practically, you know, has this talk, you know, with Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And we notice that God, you know, He doesn't like when people are complaining about other people. When we allow our jealousy to, to grow, you know, the Lord doesn't like that, especially when it, you know, because... God does not show favoritism, and, you know, God, in that situ, you know, prior to their jealousy, I mean, God loved Moses, and, and loves Moses, and Miriam, and Aaron the same. He's very close to Moses, because Moses drew near to him, but it doesn't mean that he has favoritism or shows favoritism to anybody, and it's just the same way. We tend to allow ourselves to get jealous when we, you know, see that, you know, the pastor may be talking to somebody in the congregation a little bit more than you, than you. You know, sometimes that's just not the case, you know, and, you know, the pastor, you know, we see it with our pastors a lot, and a lot of people complain about pastors not doing enough to be, with their people, and, you know, there's, you know, a pastor can only be in so many places at once, and, you know, I, you know, being in leadership, and seeing that, you know, with, you know, my own pastors, and stuff that I've had, it's, you know, the, the enemy likes to say, oh, you know, they're showing favoritism over you, and, you know, that's, something the enemy tries to do, and you have to fight that back, because you really don't know the true story of why, you know, and I understand, you know, the pastor, there's sometimes they don't even know that somebody's going in for surgery, they don't honestly know, or something came up, and they couldn't come to, you know, some, you know, event that they were invited to, because something came up, because, you know, they're human, and that's, you know, why, as the body of Christ, we come together, and work together, and encourage each other, it's not just the pastor that's supposed to do these things, you know, rarely do I ever ask, you know, my pastor for prayer anymore, because I have, you know, the, this group of ladies that, you know, are in my you know, circle that I ask for prayer for more than, than my own pastor. And that's just because, you know, the Lord works, you know, where two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord's going to be there. You know, you don't have to, it doesn't say in the Bible, you have to have a ministry license or anything like that. So to, to pray for, with each other. And so, you know, we see that you know, the enemy really works on Miriam and Aaron, and they get jealous, and the Lord brings them, and, you know, there's this big, you know, statement that Moses is the most humble person, and, you know, they attribute this to Joshua, a little side note from Joshua, but to have that kind of title that, you know, Moses was humble, we do see, you know, humility in Moses, that, he draws near to the lord and and, as you know we've talked about the you know the Lord his presence would come, and he would talk with Moses as he was talking with a friend I mean that's you know Moses' heart was totally surrendered and humbled towards the Lord, and we see it over and over. That he's so close to the Lord, he's not even focused on his own reputation. He's not even focused on, and we're gonna talk about that, you know, that he's not focused on his own, his reputation or his ministry. He's focused on the on the Lord and giving glory to the Lord and in the Lord's reputation, not his own. and And the Lord, you know, he he says, you know, with prophets. He reveals himself to them in visions and dreams, but it's not that way with Moses that he speaks to him face to face and clearly and not in riddles. And so it's like, you know, when you think about that, you want to have such a humble heart to where the Lord, you know, he's, it's not in riddles or visions that he's coming and speaking to you clearly face to face. And so... We see the effects of jealousy and, you know, the Lord enters in and we see that Miriam is, you know, leprous. And when you think about jealousy, it's almost like a sickness in a way. It makes you not feel good because you're always comparing yourself to, to that other person. You're always comparing, and it's a sickness. You don't feel good. You're never happy. It steals the joy from, from you. So in a way, you know, her being leprous was, you know, symbolizing that what je- jealousy does. It it tears you apart. It makes you sick. And Aaron gets f- afraid. And I don't know why Aaron was. I don't know if it's because he was a priest why he wasn't turned leprous I don't know you know that's something that I've always wondered why and um, you know he looks to Moses and you know he asks you know for forgiveness he's you know seeking Moses and so Moses you know in turn You know, and Moses could have just sat there and said, you know what, you know, you got what you got, you know, but no, Moses has compassion for Miriam and, you know, Aaron and he, especially Miriam, he has compassion and cries out for the Lord to heal her. And I think in a way, you know, when we're dealing with somebody who is very, very much not being nice to us. We can tell that they're dealing with jealousy towards us, you know, when they offend us in any way. The Christ-like attitude is not to, and like we've talked in, in the past podcast, not seeking out vengeance, but instead, you know, he he goes and prays for for the Lord to, to heal her instead. He has compassion for Mir- Miriam, and I think that's how we should be, is we need to pray for those who do hurt us, who offend us, you know, we need to pray for them and, and pray that the Lord will work in their hearts. We want to see, you know, have such humility that we would rather see the Lord redeem somebody more than bring punishment. You know, that's kind of the Christ-like attitude to have. And so we see that and Still, the Lord has Miriam go out of the camp for so many days. And then she's allowed to come back. So that's kind of the one thing. And then we jump into 13. And, you know, we have they send out these men to to search out the land. You know, they're they're close to the to the promised land, the land of Canaan. And Moses sends out these leaders, and one of them is Joshua, son of Nun. But the the name they say is Hosea, son of Nun. But that's Joshua, and you know Moses's servant that we have read about, you know, several times. They're sent to spy out the land, and they come back, and they have this report that you know it is such a wonderful land. They, they start off this report good, but then they're like, oh my gosh, there's, you know, all but two, you know, Caleb and Joshua, you know, all but two are just saying that there's giants and that there's no way we can, you know, win this promised land. And I think, you know, as believers, we can take, you know, this story and you know, we see the people rebel and they, they allow themselves to complain and live in unbelief. And I think as believers, we can take that as a, an example. And we do see that, you know, we were talking about first Corinthians chapter 10. We read from that in the last podcast and that they were examples for us and in regards to unbelief. And Oh, the people lived in unbelief, you know, they, they did not have a faith that draws in to the Lord and, you know, it's a, it serves as a warning for us believers that, you know, And the Lord, you know, we have this promise before us. The biggest promise is, you know, eternity, you know, and to continue this race and we can allow, you know, the things in this world, you know, especially right now, the that i'm recording this you know there's coronavirus we can allow coronavirus to instill fear into our hearts you know and you know i've always heard some you know some evangelists say this you know that israel had to deal with giants and who instilled fear and that's what happened is these these people were instilled with fear and sometimes we face giants that mess with our imagination and you know they increase this fear within us you know and and we see that with coronavirus that that people think that there's such fear and yes there's you know coronavirus does have some serious effects you know and i see it you know and some of the people that have been diagnosed that we're praying for in our prayer list but you know the people are um you know in in our our faith, you know we have such a great promise and the enemy likes to throw things at us to to instill fear to where we lose our faith in, in the Lord and lose our sight on on the promise line because we think you know especially on God's promises because we think that you know we can't there's no way we can conquer this this is there's no way that we can obtain this and it's like, well, we can't obtain it on our own. We have to have the Lord as our strength. And yes, you know, there was, you know, these people that probably, yes, they were, have really great military skills and they may have seemed bigger to the Israelites, but nothing is bigger than God. You know, they didn't, you know, see how big their God is compared, they allowed, you know, their, their their vision to be skewed it's just like when you look at an ant you know if you put a magnifying glass up to an ant yes it looks bigger but when you take the magnifying glass away you know it's nothing it's just nothing and that's what the fear of the israelites and you we're going to see that in in the book of joshua where you know um Rahab, the prostitute, tells the two spies, the two Israelite spies that, you know, they had heard, you know, they'd been living in, in fear of the Israelites the whole time because they had heard of what the Lord had done in Egypt and they were afraid. So these people were actually afraid. And so they had, the Israelites had nothing to fear of at the beginning, and so, you know, that's something as believers we can run into trouble with, where we allow ourselves to live in such a fear and allow the lies of the enemy to consume us and make us live in doubt that we don't draw near to the Lord, we don't trust Him, we don't go into prayer and we, we walk on this shaky ground that, you know, as, as their doubt increased, finally the Lord steps in And he's had enough. Now we see Moses, once again, he, like I said before, he's not concerned about his reputations. He's concerned about God's. And he intercedes for the Israelites and asks for for the Lord to forgive them. And the Lord ends up forgiving them, but he does punish them for their doubt because they weren't living they were they didn't have faith. And so and we'll read about this in the book of Hebrews, that essentially they died. You know, they died in the desert and, you know, this generation that was counted in the senses, the only two that were spared was Joshua and Caleb because they stood up and said, you know, I'm on the negativity. And as believers we have to be that way when there's such negativity all around you know, we're the ones that stand up and say, you know, no, our God is bigger, you know, you know, I know who my God is, and that he's bigger than this. And so, you know, we see that this happens, that they miss out on the promised land. And I think, you know, if we allow the enemy to, you know, have control and allow to put fear in our lives, to put doubt into our lives, we're grumbling about, you know, and desiring for all our old life, we're going to miss out on that promised land that, you know, of eternity, because we're walking on shaky ground to where we would commit apostasy. You know, there are people that do that, they allow the doubt to creep into where they end up just walking away from their relationship with the Lord, instead of seeking him out. And we see that, you know, afterwards the the Israelites, when they're finding out that they don't get to go to the promised land, they have to go wander the desert for 40 years and they're not going to get this promised land. They have a shallow repentant moment and a momentary trust in God's promises, but they were ignoring God's warning, you know, in this time. And they make The mistake of believing they could possess the promised land without faith, trust, obedience, and devoted fellowship with God. And they were defeated, you know, because of this misguided trust. And it's it's a lesson for all of us who are in Christ that the riches of God's covenant cannot be obtained without the obedience that comes from faith. You know, you can't just use this as fire insurance and continue to live the rest of your life however you want. You know, there's there's a cost to it and that, you know, you just can't simply mouth your words of faith. You have to live it and draw near to the Lord and be obedient to him, being in his word, going to church on Sunday, doing what you can to meet with other brothers and sisters in Christ you know, it may sound like it's worked, but it's not really, you know, we, when you're in a relationship with the Lord, you're going to work on that relationship just as you're working on a relationship with your husband or your wife. So that's essentially, you know, with the, the Israelites and, and numbers. And so we're going to end on that note and we're going to pause and go to Psalm thirty six. So we're back and we're looking at Psalm thirty six and Psalm thirty six is a is from the David and from David and it's he's contemplating, you know, the sinfulness of the wicked, and, you know, we've kind of talked about it, because, you know, this isn't the first time David has really talked about it, but when you think about it, the wicked, they have no fear of God, you know, and and the thing that stood out to me was in verse 4, that they do not reject what is wrong, and we're seeing that in society today, that we're not rejecting what is wrong, and that's something that you have to be careful with, when you have a relationship with the Lord and when you have such a fear and reverence of the Lord and such a relationship with him and you're walking with him that you reject what is wrong and you walk away from it you know and and won't allow it in your home you know based on like what you're reading what you're watching you won't take pleasure in in what is wrong you know it actually like for me I really get sick and disgusted when it's something that it's like, no, we shouldn't be watching this or, you know, you know, such as like gossiping as well. It's just like, I sit there and like, really, you guys are participating gossiping. That's not right. You know, and it just, when you're guarding your heart, it makes you sick. You know, you literally feel sick to your stomach when you see stuff like that. And, and so, you know, you have to be careful in your relationship with the Lord that, you know, just having a heart and allowing the Lord just to, to move in your heart in regards to, you know, what, what breaks the Lord. And it's just having that heart, you know, just like Moses, where you're not worried about your reputation, you're you're more concerned about the Lord and having a heart, you know, of, you know, what breaks the Lord's heart and wanting to know what makes him happy, what, what breaks his heart. And we see that, that, you know, David had a heart for, for the Lord that, you know, he's even writing that the Lord's love reaches to the heavens, his faithfulness to the skies. And he's talking about the Lord's righteousness, his justice, you know, that he, you know he preserves both man and beast, you know he he ends up you know just really you know turning around and just glorifying the Lord that the Lord is not this way, you know that he's not wicked, but he's filled with love, and that you know he'll deal with you know he's a god of justice and will deal with the wicked. And that's just something I think an attitude we should develop is is having that kind of attitude. And so that's essentially um, Psalms or Psalm 36. And so we're going to take a quick break and get ready to talk about Mark. So we are back and we're in Mark chapter 11 and this is the start of the passion week in the book of mark and the book of mark we actually look to the book of mark for a for the correct timeline of how the passion week went you know as i pointed out when we went through it with matthew um just the differences and i just i'm not going to go as deep you know, as before, but I just want to kind of just point out some small things that, you know, stood out, and so we get to Mark 11, which is, you know, it starts off with the triumph, triumphal entry, and Jesus, you know, this had been prophesied through the prophets that what this was going to happen, and Jesus comes in on a donkey, and he comes in from, from the Mount of Olives, and you know, he's coming in as the lamb, but there's going to come a time in the future that he's going to come in from the Mount of Olives on a white horse when he returns. So that was something I wanted to point out. And, um, he comes in and then he cleanses the temple and the temple, just this temple cleansing shows that he's, has the authority you know as as the son of a son of God he shows his authority in this section and I just want to jump back to the the triumphal entry as well this just you know I looked at my notes and I just remembered this part but we see that there's you know, the people shouting Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we'll see, you know, that Matthew, there was some things that were said differently. And I think, you know, I think, you know, as, as I said, you know, back in the, in the day, you know, or with witnesses that, you know, witnesses see, you know, tell different stories. And so Mark is getting his from Peter and Matthew was there as well. So they probably heard, you know, several people saying different things. And so they were remembering what they heard. And so that's essentially what I wanted to point out. But then Jesus cleanses the temple, showing his authority. But Mark adds that he wouldn't let anybody come in as well. And so that's essentially that, and then we get to the withered fig tree, and before he goes and cleanses the temple, we see this as two separate events, and, you know, Jesus, you know, curses the fig tree, and then when they come back the next day, they, they see the fig tree, and that it's, it's, it's dead from the roots, that it's withered, it's dead, And I wanted to point out what, what Jesus says. He says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. You know, so, you know, it's, we can take that as an example of our prayer life. And I'm just going to continue it says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So he's like, okay, you know, and this is a, an, a pattern for prayer is, you know, you, you ask for, for it in prayer, but you also believe and receive it as well, you know, and. And also we can point out that, you know, the words that we speak and the words that we pray, when we're praying scripture, when we allow faith to well up in our hearts, you know, things can, you know, signs and wonders can happen just like he was talking about. And, but he also points out, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins, you know, and that's another thing, is forgiveness is a big part in, in, in our relationship with the Lord, If we can't forgive people, how can God forgive us, and that's a huge, huge key with, with prayer, you know, especially well, finding breakthrough is actually searching your heart and wondering if there's unforgiveness towards somebody in your heart. It's not in every case, you know, that happens, but it's something to look into, you know. And I just wanted to point out that Jesus' curse of victory just shows disciple how faith works. But it's also show, showing, you know, because it like it says, the roots were also dead. It shows that we have to go to the root of the problem for dealing or for healing to work. You know, we have to get to the root of the problem. When you're praying, you have to get to the root, the source of what is wrong with the person. And so you have to get to the root of that. And that's why I tell people, yes, go go to the doctor, get diagnosed, find out what's going on, because that's getting to the root of the problem, and you have to get to the root of the problem, you can't just go around it, you know, what is the root of, you know, of what is going on that you need prayer for, you know, you just can't go around it, so that is essentially that part, and and a huge part of you know, our prayer life is, is forgiveness and getting to the root. And then, and finally, just to end off, you know, we end off chapter 11 with the authority of Jesus questioned. And, you know, the religious leaders in that time were trying every way to, to, to get Jesus, to trap him up and, it's not working because Jesus just turns around and finds a way to, to hang them. And then he does it with this, you know, with John, you know, what kind of baptism was, or, you know, what was John's baptism? Was it from heaven or from men, you know? And it made them stumble because they did regard Jesus and John as prophets. And Many probably, and many of like John's disciples and those who followed him after his death probably transferred their allegiance over to Christ. So they were probably afraid to, uh, you know, a, 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 they were afraid of the crowd and they were afraid, you know, more concerned with their you know, compared to Moses, they were more concerned about their authority, their ego, their reputation compared to Moses. So that's essentially, you know, chapter 11 of Mark. And so we're going to finish off with that and we'll continue on, uh, with, with this, you know, finishing out Mark, we're almost to the end. And so that's it for today's podcast. For For the next podcast, we're going to read Numbers chapter 15, verses 1 through 31, and then Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7, Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 21, and Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 27. And so, I'm just going to end in a prayer, and I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, um, for for dying on the cross for us Lord and I just pray God that Lord we just thank you God for the blood of Jesus that makes us new I pray that you would search our hearts oh Lord God and Lord I just pray that we would not allow jealousy or grumbling or doubt to enter into our hearts increase our faith increase our faith to where Lord we could believe that mountains you know we can command a mountain to jump into the sea and that it will Lord God and that, Lord, I just pray, you know, guard our hearts, help us to receive and, and develop in our prayer life with, it, with you and to trust in you. To be like Moses and, Lord, where you just meet him face to face, Lord God, and, and speak with his heart, Lord. I pray that we would just have a heart that searches out for that. We just thank you for all that you do and continue to do. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys.